You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, I pay a visit to Limerick City to meet Nicole Dumphy from Pandora Bell. Kate Ryan from Flavor.ie will be talking to us via Skype to reveal the culinary attributes of West Cork. And if you're in the mood to spice up your life, Paul O'Connor will have details about the Irish Curry Awards at the end of the show. Before that, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here. You can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. So recently I paid a visit to the manufacturer of one of Ireland's premier luxury and gourmet confectionery brands, Pandora Bell. Nicole Dumphy is the company founder and she heads up a team of fierce businesswomen driving the company to success. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Nicole, thanks so much for having me here at Pandora Bell. You work from home, which is a huge privilege in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah, I love working from home because we've got just got a little secluded spot outside Limerick City where I'm kind of close to all the, the cinemas and Costa Coffee and all the bits and pieces. But it's also, it's just, it's quite private here. We've loads of space. It's, it's lovely. You started Pandora Bell in 2009, which was just really when the recession was hitting. Just tell us a bit about the company first. Well, I decided to set up a company that was really high end. I didn't see any point in going and trying to compete in the middle of the market because there's companies there like Butler's and Lily's who really do things so well. I could, you know, I could never get that scale and that sort of level of manufacturing. So I just really wanted to be a luxury brand. I also wanted to veer away from chocolate because Again, there was quite a few companies in Ireland who were doing that really, really well. So Pandora Bell is about luxury sweets. Um, so we wanted to introduce products that weren't available on that, in that quality in Ireland at the time. Um, this was only the start of the food revolution in Ireland. So there wasn't as much choice maybe as there is now. So we took some kind of core products, which really still make up the, the centre of what we do, which was nougat, um, salted butter caramels um, and some handmade lollies. And we branded those beautifully and we added our own flair to them and got them out on the market in Ireland and that was the start of it and it's just grown since then. Some people might be surprised that you weren't working in the food industry before you went out on your own, you were in the media. Yes, so I worked in RTE in production, which um, has been a great help for me in promoting Pandora Bell. I guess I don't have any particular um, mystique or awe about the media because I've worked in it and I know how it works. And and the media has been very good to me um, since I've started Pandora Bell. Um, But no, I I was always interested in food and I did take a a good career break um, and went and did some research and study and training in food. Um, so that's it just I, I also enjoyed working for myself so it was a kind of a natural progression in some sort of odd way to go from RTE to Pandora Bell. You mentioned the packaging there and the branding which is very strong it is very high-end it's very classy just describe it to us and where you got the inspiration for it. Well packaging and branding are really important to me I I love that side of of the business Um my degree was in art history so I have a I just have a love for beautiful things um, I have a love of history so I wanted the brand to look to be traditional so I think we have a, a 
trust in traditional values and the I wanted the packaging to reflect the fact that the ingredients and methods of Pandora Bell were traditional. It was like back to the way sweets used to be before crazy colours and whiz pops and bazooka joes and you know back to the core traditional European sweets so the packaging was to reflect that now I got inspiration from different places but a lot of it would have been just traveling around to different food halls and looking at packaging but also looking at cosmetic packaging and looking at different patterns and then you know looking at different color cards from um from the places like Faro and Ball and you know how they refine the color palette to be um, exactly as they would have been traditionally maybe at the beginning of the century or the 19th century that it, it so that's where we take our, our our palette and our tones and then we um, apply it to a kind of a maybe a more um, out, uh, we, we apply that to a sort of a food packaging base that makes any sense and there is is it a cameo is that how you would describe the image of the little girl or the head of the yeah. little girl with the hair is that yes. a cameo is it that is what a cameo called? yeah um we first of all pandora bell had a a little ponytail a kind of a high ponytail and she i suppose now she she has a bun so she's kind of become a more mature pandora bell over the the nine years that she's been alive she's she's got a new hairdo to make her more a little bit more sophisticated and where did that name come from was there a real person called pandora bell at some stage in history so the idea of pandora bell is that she is a 1920s 1930s girl she's a fictional heroine um so i'm when she came to my mind i pictured this girl standing in a train station with the steam train leaving and she um, went with her leather luggage and she goes off around Europe on a steam train and she discovers all the best of European confectionery. So she journeys through all the cities, pretty much like on the, the way gentlemen used to go on the grand tour years ago after college. Um, and that was the that was the idea of her. And also that at that time, women would not have gone off on these kind of journeys on their own. So she's adventurous and she's just got a bit of attitude and is out there and learning and bringing it all back to Ireland so that was that's the idea of Pandora Bell and it's quite a, a romantic story and we base everything we do still around that um, and it's a story I'd love to develop a bit more. Yeah it's very interesting the way that you have invested so much thought and time and energy on that side of the business because I think a lot of food companies they put their heart and soul into the actual product when the branding that you've talked about, the packaging, all of that is equally important whenever it comes to selling it. Yes, well, we're also, I suppose, we're not selling spaghetti hoops or something kind of functional or everyday. We're selling something that's for a special moment or for a gift or, you know, so it has to have something extra about it. And I think if you're, as a as someone who's creating the product, if I don't feel a bigger experience to it I'm not that's not going to come across and everything we do should fit into that bigger experience so it's kind of like a guiding light of where to go on the road as you go forward as well to always think back to where you started how do you come up with the the ideas then for your product range because it is quite diverse whenever you're looking at lollipops one minute then licorice and salted licorice the next yeah so um I go to trade shows I 
eat a bit I mean isn't that the best way to do it you know you you look at what other people are doing but you also then look at what other people are not doing which is just important as what they are doing um and just to try and see what's not out there or what is out there but at not a great level maybe um I have a list I have a book of things that I want to do and then one by one we work our way through them or by the time you might get to something it might have become too much of a trend or you know I don't like doing something that has suddenly become a big trend then then everyone's doing it and you know where do you get the recipes from then is it recipe testing that you do yourself do you take a basic recipe and then put your own twist on it yeah generally that is how it goes and then we try and refine recipes we've done already you know like um this year we've removed the carmine extract from our candy canes and they're just colored now with carrot extract so they're vegetarian and they're really pure so it's like you you just have to keep going back over and over and trying to improve everything as well just because you've something out there doesn't mean that it can't be made a bit better as you go on so a lot of it is is not even coming up with new things sometimes it's looking at what you have and and refining that just another little bit do you find there's a demand now for vegan friendly products and gluten-free products yes um gluten-free has been a big thing over the last year or two and we've had a few of our um range certified that would have been gluten-free anyway but we've we're able to make sure that there's no cross-contamination um and we were able to send them to the lab and get the get them just certified so we can assure the customers that they are gluten-free so that would be our fudge our caramels and our fruit jellies but i do think that um the vegan trend is not just a trend maybe in gluten-free it might be a food trend for some people but for but the vegan um trend i think is going to be something that is going to last and grow because really for sustainability it is important um so it, that can be that is going to be something that in years to come just gains importance i hope what is the most popular product in the range which one sells the most so i think everybody loves really good fudge um crumbly butter fudge is a real classic one as uh, our lollipop strawberry lollipop is always a really good one and then the almond and pistachio nougat so they would be the holy trinity (laughs) you're smiling as you talk about each one is one of those your favorite um yeah i like the almond and pistachio nougat a lot um but i like the fudge too i don't really eat the lollipops much but my daughter now would be would be the lollipop lady and she'd be the lollipop tester yeah i just can't spend six hours sucking a lollipop I just have to break it and eat it and now that's so adult of me because I remember when you'd be younger and you you know you'd get the custard cream biscuit and you'd take off the top and you'd eat the middle and it, the whole thing would take so long whereas now you just have it eaten as you're walking around the kitchen you know and you can do those lollipops with people's names on them can you for yeah, wedding favors they're really popular for weddings they're lovely so we just do maybe the bride and groom's name and the date or sometimes it could be um we'd get a orders in with a message like sorry you're leaving or sorry I broke your clock or you know you know random messages that we do or hen parties or um so yeah people come up with their their own ideas and and we'll just go with it so you've a lot of different markets then that you can tap into that's the wedding market and the wedding favors personalized gifts for hen parties for example Mm -hmm. and then the products are available in a number of retail outlets yes so our main core of what we do would be the the retail 
um but also we're available online so there's pandorabell.com there's not on the high street and there's yumbles and amazon they'd be the main kind of online sellers and then yeah after that it's um it's wholesale out the the kind of main bulk of what we do would be that and do you have any plans to export or do you export a bit at the moment well actually quite early on um we turned to export it wasn't something that was in my original plan at all maybe i didn't think out an original plan enough but after about two years we exhibited at ism with board bia that's the world's biggest confectionery trade fair and from there we started to um pick up some customers and export is now about 50 percent of our business so i think without realizing it um confectionery is actually a really good product to export it's ambient and it has a long shelf life and that's brilliant that is just a godsend. You can send it anywhere and, and it will survive, you know, in the right conditions. And do you think it's important to be able to, to not put all your eggs in one basket to diversify throughout the world? Yeah, well, I mean, mainly it, it's, it mainly is Europe, um, but and then a bit in the Middle East and we've done a bit in China in the past. But uh, yeah, you do need to diversify. You, you absolutely do. And also i suppose because we here we stock the high-end stores um there's a limit and you have to look you you can either over infiltrate in ireland or you can look further afield and you know we're just blessed that i that we can do that you must tell us about some of the awards that some of the products have won because that must be very useful tool whenever you go out to market to these international markets. Yeah, it is. It. I mean, there's two things that that kind of act like, um, I suppose, a stamp of approval. One would be the other stockists that you would have. So buyers are always, you know, happy to know that we would work with established customers say in Ireland like Avoca or Brown and Brown Thomas and also abroad we would work maybe with Globus in Switzerland and Dean and DeLuca in the Arab Emirates and that's kind of that's important I think their approval is important and then obviously the awards are really important as well so um, last year there was we got um, an innovation award at Seattle in Shanghai which is a trade fair in Shanghai that would be like a big international trade fair and then we also got Great Taste Award for the Pistachio Nougat. And uh, I think the Great Taste Awards are going to be announced in the next couple of days again. So it's like fingers and toes crossed all over the place here. We'll definitely keep an eye out to yeah. see how you get on with those. And I'm sure you'll be clocking up another good few awards to the, the existing portfolio. Now, you mentioned that you started the business in 2009. So it, it, some people would say, and I'm sure some people did say to you, are you mad? Yeah, they did, including my mother. And she was like, oh, dear God, you know, you have a pension woman in RTE. Where are you going? So, no, I mean, it was my kind of personal time to leave. I think I'd had my daughter and um, I suppose you, you get into this mode of just wanting to fix everything and make it all right. And um, I just really was ready to move on. And I, there was no point in waiting for this recession to go because nobody knew when that was going to happen. So I just kind of ploughed on with it, really. Um, and yeah, well, I'm still standing, so it must have been okay thing to do. But I, I mean, obviously, because of the time that I started in, I had to be more careful. Um, I had to be make, you know, wise decisions about what I was doing at every step and hope, you know, hopefully that that has paid off. 
Do you think businesses that start during a recession are more likely to last than those that start during the boom that they might get a bit carried away with themselves? Yeah, I think you could, you know, you your success might in some circumstances be artificial. Um, and it is a big, it was a big um, knock for all of us to realize, like to realize that um, a lot of our success was based on this bubble. We, we all thought it was based on our own fabulousness or reality or whatever, but it wasn't. Um, you know, I was running, a, um, I used to work in the nightclub business and I was running some club nights at the time. And that used to be, to do quite well for me and next minute whoom, the carpet was pulled out it was gone and that was a big shock because I thought I was great I thought I could you know I was so fabulous what could possibly go wrong but it wasn't me at all it was just that people had lots of disposable income and they were all out all the time um, and I was benefiting from it you know um, so yeah, that that was an eye opener. You you're a product of your circumstances and where you are at any particular time. Um, we're we're lucky to be in this part of the world and to be you know all doing reasonably well compared to some to compared to how difficult it can be in other countries. In terms of the future, then, what are your plans for development and growth? And are you going to add more products to the current product portfolio? Yes, I do have some things on my little sticky note list that I'm trying to develop. Um, going slowly and surely, I think, again, as we were talking about, vegan products are important. Um, I'd like to maybe do some baked products as well. I don't know. It's it, I, We'll see what comes out. I, I But yeah, there will be more. There will be new things. Um, do you do all of this yourself or do you have a team of people that can can help you whenever it comes to being creative? Well, I work with kind of different manufacturers, so I go to them with ideas and see what they come back with. And I have a few ideas out there at the moment trying to develop different things. Sometimes things just don't work. You know, we were trying to do beautiful glittery lollipops this Christmas and they were going to be fabulous. And um they, they look so bad. They really? Just, yeah, they just the, didn't the vision, happen. As, it's all, they sound like yeah. a great idea. I can vision, visualize I can, them my myself. Head, they're <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> but, you know, some things don't work. So you have to kind of keep doing, you know, one out of every five thing will suddenly turn out to be what you'd imagined it and hoped it to be. So, yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll, you, you will manage to get those glittery lollipops at some stage. <laughs> Something will happen and it will work out. And I look forward to seeing them because I do think they would be a huge hit. Thanks so much for having me today and continued success with your wonderful company. Fantastic products. My well pleasure. done. pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was visiting Nicole Dumphy at Pandora Bell Ireland which is selling an impressive range of luxury and gourmet confectionery all across the world. If you're just tuning in you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and you can use the podcast app to find it. And now it's on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. 
Still to come tonight, we'll be finding out about the Irish Curry Awards. But before that, my next guest joins us via Skype. Kate Ryan is the individual behind Flavor.ie, a one-stop shop that showcases the best of West Cork's produce in a number of different ways. All food lovers will know that West Cork is one of Ireland's best culinary havens and Kate is going to explain just why that is the case. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kate, you're very welcome to the programme today. Thanks for taking the call. Thank, thanks for inviting me, Sharon. Flavor.ie, tell us a bit about it. So Flavor.ie started about four years ago as a very simple recipe blog. Um, I was getting uh, lots of messages from my friends asking me, would I share recipes of the food that I was taking photographs of and posting up on, on my Facebook and stuff? So it started off very simply as a recipe blog quickly kind of evolved into um, a forum for showcasing the great produce in West Quark. And then from that, then um, I created a, a walking food tour of Clonkilty. Um, I now write for several publications uh, across County Cork. Um, and I also um, create and run um, experiential food events uh, throughout the year across County Cork, uh, where I bring in sort of chefs, to either do uh, fantastic things with food on either dining or workshop events or just kind of, you know, meet the producer type things. So everything very much so has a West Cork food focus, Cork, County Cork in general, because obviously there's great food producers across the county um, and I suppose you know, reaching out across Ireland as well. So it's just really about um, Flavor.ie is all about championing the fantastic food producers we have in West Cork and across Ireland. Is this something that you've been involved in from an early age? Did you study food at college, for example? Not at all. Um, Excuse me. Uh, No, not at all. It's uh, one of those kind of funny things where I've always enjoyed everything to do with food. So growing up, we were very fortunate. We lived in an urban setting, but we were really fortunate to have a huge garden. And um, my grandfather lived with me, uh, my mum, my dad, my sister. And we were all very much involved in kind of growing things in the garden um, for eating. So we produced an awful lot of our food. My sister and I would be sent out every day to kind of pick uh, the fresh kind of vegetables and fruits that mum would want to make from tea, for tea. And everything that she cooked was from scratch, more out of necessity than anything else. Um, so we always kind of grew up around this kind of really strong ethos of sort of knowing where food comes from, understanding about seasonality. Um, but it was just kind of just so normal that I didn't really think of it as anything other than just this is the way that everyone kind of eats. Um, and then sort of growing up then, I've always been a, a huge fan of literature. I've really enjoyed writing. I studied uh, English language and English literature at college and university. Um, and then sort of that was it, really. I've just always cooked and always grown and always written and read. Um, but it was only really sort of four years ago when I launched Flavor.ie that I had literally a light bulb moment where I was like, why have I never put these two things together before? My love of food and my love of writing and literature. Um, so uh, that's what I kind of decided to do. So um, I'm very much kind of coming from a point of view, I suppose, of being um, involved in authentic food experiences. Um, and just there is quite a lot of nostalgia, I suppose, in kind of what I do. But it's very much come from a pure love of of food and cookery and eating. 
West Cork is renowned for the food scene there because there are so many fantastic artisan food producers in the area. Your Clonakilty mm. food tour, tell us a bit about it and what's involved in it. So the food tour runs every Friday uh, throughout the summer season. So that's June, July and August. Uh, we also put in a few extra dates for the Taste of West Cork Food Festival. And then uh, we run private tours on request for the whole year. Um, Clonakilty is not a small place, but it is incredibly vibrant. And what a lot of people kind of miss is how incredibly uh, diverse the food experiences are in Clonakilty town. So the food for the food tour is very much producer focused, kind of staying aligned to what Flavor.ie is all about. And over the course of four hours of a Friday morning into afternoon, we visit something like eight different food producers in the town, as well as the Friday market, the vibrant Friday farmers market in the town. Um, and we basically just kind of meet the producers. We learn about the food stories behind their food journey. Um, a lot of the food premises that we, we visit, they, they are multi-generation there. You know, we visit a butcher that's 100 years old, another food producer that's 200 years old, um, right the way through to kind of people that are, are sort of, as we like to refer to down here, sort of blow-ins, much like myself, um, from other places around Ireland or around the world. They've come to settle and have kind of developed um, a food producing business and some of them are incredibly unique so an example would be Alison Roberts who's from Toronto originally she um, is a food producer called Clonakilty Chocolate and she is only one of three or maybe I think four now uh, chocolate makers that is are making chocolate directly from the cocoa bean um, all of everything that she kind of sources is, is alternative and fair trade fully traceable back to the farms where it came from in, in West Africa. So we kind of taste all of these kind of things and, and get to understand the stories behind the product, the stories behind the people that are making the product and kind of what motivates them really. So it's a really, it's a real behind the scenes look at food production in, in the town. You mentioned there about being a blow in. I didn't like to ask where's the accent from? So my, uh, I grew up in Bristol, which is a, a city in southwest England. Um, it's a, it's a very vibrant town actually, and uh, has a very uh, good food scene itself. Um, we have a, a farm, uh, well, a covered market, much like the English market in Cork actually, in Bristol called St Nicholas Market, which is just a cornucopia of everything you could kind of want so again it's something that I used to visit an awful lot when I was living there all throughout my life and never kind of realized how amazing it was until you kind of move away from it um so yeah I've been in Ireland now for 12 years um I married to an Irishman so hence the the decision to uh to move back to Ireland when he got a little bit homesick so. Do you feel that because you're not from West Cork originally that you can appreciate more the the, the culinary attributes of the area? I don't think that coming from outside West Cork uh, or, or I don't think that coming from Bristol into West Cork is what makes me um, appreciate the food here more. People that live in West Cork in general have a real appreciation and a real understanding of excellent quality food. 
they know where it comes from. A lot of the time we can call call up people by their first name, uh, you know, who's producing the pork or the beef or cheese or breads or whatever. Um, so I actually think it's a West Cork thing in general, really, um, our appreciation of food. And I think anybody that kind of comes from outside of West Cork then um, is kind of blown away. And I kind of often say that maybe we are sort of in this little bubble down in West Cork where we just we eat so well on a daily basis um, just because that's what is the norm down here that sometimes you kind of forget that sometimes these kinds of foods are not readily available outside of West Cork even in the city so um, yeah I mean I think I I do have an appreciation just from the the life I had growing up as a child Um, but I think it's just the way people are in West Cork, we're very, very connected to our food, our food producers, the land and the sea. And I would imagine that that is the reason why you decided to enter the foodie destination competition this year. Absolutely. So there's myself, uh, obviously it's, it's headed up by a Taste of West Cork Food Festival. They're kind of spearheading it, but there's lots and lots of stakeholders involved in kind of getting us um, awarded with the uh, Foodie Des- Destinations 2017. So we have the Sheep's Head Producers um, Initiative involved, lots of kind of um, other movers and shakers um, in the food world down in West Cork. We have a couple of Food champ, Fulch Ireland food champions involved, as well as myself as well. So it's just kind of uh, really, I think, speaks to the sense of um, community and togetherness that we have down in West Cork, that so many different people come together um, and in a relatively quick period of time are able to kind of uh, put forward a submission to Foodie Destinations 27. And then, of course, as well, we got the news that we're through to the uh, the shortlist for the finals and uh, we're due to be judged, um, I think it's the middle of, of August. So we're all kind of uh, really excited about that at the moment. And if we get it, if we win it, it will be an amazing honour. And I think a reflection of the hard work of, of everybody uh, down in West Cork for championing the region as a, as a unique food destination. Uh, but either which way, it's an honour to be shortlisted. I think you hit the nail in the head there whenever you mentioned the hard work because none of this can be achieved without hard work and collaboration from lots of different people. That's it. And I'm, I'm a fir- I've am I'm always been a firm believer of the power of collaboration. Um, you know, a lot of uh, people that are involved in food in West Cork are sort of one person operations. Um, and we all have the most amazing ideas. Um, but if we want to pull them off, we have to work together. Um, and I think a Taste of West Cork Food Festival in particular is a great example of people coming together for a single cause. Um, you know, the festival itself stretches now um, this year from all the way from Bandon, uh, which would be the east of West Cork, all the way through to Barra Peninsula on the far, far western edge of West Cork, um, as far north as McCroom. And it includes, I think there's nine islands as well, nine of the West Cork islands involved this year. Uh, it's a huge area. There's something like two over 230 events, I think, in the programme this year, uh, which is the most that there has ever been. Um, and it, there's such a, a diverse range of, of events that are going on there, all connected with food. And I think it just kind of speaks to the innovation of the region um, for how people kind of look at food in our 
particular food story that it's not just about sit down eat this meal um it's it's there's always um a story behind everything or a purpose behind something and it's very much linked to kind of the cultural history of the region as well you know west cork is is food that's basically what west cork is and that's the message that we want to kind of put out into the wider world that west cork is a unique food destination um so yeah we you know collaboration is key um in all aspects i think when you're trying to bring success to uh, a regional identity i think is the key a taste of west cork looks like an amazing festival it's on in september isn't that right that's right it's from the 8th of friday the 8th of september to sunday the 17th of september um so it's running the whole time um the website is a west uh, taste of west cork dot com and you can find the festival as well on facebook twitter and instagram where there's going to be regular updates about events i know for a fact already um even though the program was only um launched a couple of weeks ago there are some events are already sold out so we always kind of encourage people to to book in as early as possible for for the events um but it, as well, I suppose uh, the festival kind of like to stretch themselves every year and try and do something a bit different every year as well. Um, and this year they commissioned myself to write an artisan food guide um, that accompanies uh, the food festival. So the idea behind the artisan food guide is that we want to kind of make a taste of West Cork last longer than just the 10 days of this amazing festival so the artisan food guide which is over 80 pages long includes maps suggested tour itineraries and a directory of basically of all the food producers in west cork um specialty food shops and farmers markets so that outside of the 10 days of the festival if you're unfortunate enough to not be able to come down for those 10 days that you can still come down to the region any time of the year and self-guide your way around west cork and meet the producers yourself. So, um, you know, and kind of really kind of connect with the producers and the food so that while you're here and you're visiting here, when you eat out in restaurants, you can identify the producers on the menus or you can just take yourself off on your own, your own made up artisan food tour around uh, around the county. We just want people to kind of come down and really experience the taste of the region. There is so much happening during that festival and it is a very impressive festival guide because I think it it came free with one of the Sunday papers there a few weeks ago and I noticed in it about you have a, a number of different chefs from around the country doing different meals and dinners during the festival. That's right. So it's uh, our chairperson is Helen Collins and she always kind of says there's a few magic ingredients to the Taste of Westcourt Food Festival, one of which is the guest chefs. So um, the the ethos uh, around bringing in the guest chefs is that to bring in these amazing chefs from all over the country and sometimes from outside of Ireland into West Cork and uh, provide them with an opportunity to um, use the produce in West Cork helps to promulgate the message about the amazing food that we have down in the region to other people outside of West Cork. Um, and it is incredibly successful. This year, there are so many guest chef uh, experiences in the programme this year. A real kind of wide range of, of chefs, from Michelin-starred chefs, uh, award-winning chefs, 
um, to, you know, to kind of people doing really unique things like uh, we have a, sh- a chef down from the West Cork Supper Club. So there, there's lots of kind of different chefs here doing lots of different kind of food experiences. Um, and it's it just kind of makes it really, really exciting, I think, as well and offers something um, new and exciting to the, 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 di- the diners of West Cork as well. Um, and without fail, um, many actually many of the guest chefs that are here this year are returning, uh, maybe for their second year. Um, people like Derry Clark and Danny Barry are returning sort of year after year. Um, so I think it just it really kind of talks to the testament of how what a great experience they have personally, and also you know you can't help but fall in love with the region when you come down here. You know, there's so many people that live in West Cork that came for a holiday and then never left, and I think that sort of if the chefs could probably do that, they will probably too. But unfortunately, they have a Michelin star restaurants to get back to. Well, that is a great advertisement for any area that somebody comes on a holiday, falls in love with it and just can't bear to leave and ends up living there permanently. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. There's so many people that kind of do that, you know, and uh, as well, you know, people that kind of come, they settle, maybe they want to grow a few vegetables and then the next thing they know, they've got a, a really successful food production business. So, um, yeah, you kind of just get caught up, I think, in the enthusiasm of the people in the area. There is kind of like this uh, feeling that people have your back. Um, a strong sense of community, a strong sense of supporting people trying to do something new, especially where people recognise that there's a benefit to the area and to the people in the area. So it's, you know, you ha- it's almost kind of like a dangerous thing to have an idea in West Cork because then it's kind of like, well, here's the support, go and do it. <laughs> and then there's no turning back. <laughs> well, before we finish up, just tell us about some of the other events that you have in the pipeline. I know you have some, is it a cheese and wine tasting during the festival? But I know you probably have other events coming up that you'd like to tell the listeners about. I do. So in the Taste of West Court Food Festival programme this year, I am delighted to have um, a total of five events in the programme, two of which are extra dates for my walking food tour, um, which is fantastic. And that was in the programme last year and uh, was oversubscribed. So um, hopefully the same again this year. Um, I also have a wine and cheese event, but it's a slightly different take. So we're celebrating West Court cheeses. Um, my personal view on West Court cheese is that um, the likes of Malines and so forth um, was the start of what we now know as the Irish artisan food movement. So what we're, what we're doing, myself and Fanula Harkin, who's a, a wine expert from Wines Direct and a friend of mine, we're pairing up and we're creating a love story, I suppose, really around West Cork cheeses and then matching them with um, uh, French wines. Um, we're focusing on Bordeaux region and we're going to be pairing with some exquisite wines, wines that are not easy to come by and some that maybe people um, may never have tasted before. Um, and we're going to be tasting some cheeses as well that people um may not sort of kind of think to pick up on a regular basis so i don't want to give too much away uh, but it's basically five um sorry four cheeses and five wines that we'll be tasting and um notes as well that we'll be giving everybody so they can go off and, and find what they need afterwards and that's 35 euro per head that one 
Um, and then I have Decky Walsh, who is the head chef of Holy Smoke Restaurant in Cork City. He is um, a very excellent smoke and fire chef, works alongside a chap called John Relihan. Um, and he's coming down to Ross Carberry to the Celtic Ross Hotel. And he's giving a four hour masterclass in the art of cooking low and slow over smoke and fire. It is an amazing experience. Decky is a fantastic teacher. And um, the whole idea is that you'll be learning everything that you need to know to kind of really start your own journey. And we're going to be cooking over, I think it's about four or five different methods of smoke and fire. So there's pit, um, there's smoker, there's rotisserie, there's grill. And I think there's something else as well. (laughs) Um, And then we just eat everything that is being cooked during the day. So it's going to be an amazing feast um, right beside the sea in Ross Carberry, um, and that is 70 euros per person. So um, I have a clam bake, which is sold out as well, which was my fifth um, event, and that's with Caitlin Ruth, which uh, we're doing a New Hampshire-style clam bake on the beach in Simon's Cove. So they're quite different events, and they're all really exciting in their own way. And if anyone wants to find out about them, um, just visit flavor.ie, that's the website, or uh, search flavor.ie on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and you'll find out uh, all the links to the events and the information and uh, booking is online. A selection of really interesting and exciting events there, Kate. Thanks so much for telling us all about it today and about yourself and your business and best of luck with it for the future. Thank you very much, Sharon. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we were talking to Kate Ryan from Flavour.ie about the culinary attributes of West Cork and Kate mentioned a number of different events that she's doing there and if you visit her website you'll get all the details about them. At the top of the show I visited Pandora Bell Ireland to talk to founder Nicole Dumphy about the company's delicious range of luxury and gourmet confectionery. If you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com and on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. So no need to miss a show ever. Now, the last part of the show tonight is competition-led. The Irish Curry Awards are on the hunt for the best curry in Ireland. And if you know where that is served, you'll want to get in touch with my next guest, head judge Paul O'Connor. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Paul, the Irish Curry Awards, very exciting. And this is only the second year of these particular awards. It is indeed, and, and we're really excited this year because last year it was it was like six weeks before the event uh, took place. I was asked to be the All Ireland head judge, so I was kind of rushed to get it organised, and I didn't get um, say enough judges to cover the country. Um, but this year we're well and truly covered with seventeen judges covering every county in Ireland, um, in north and south. Um, Yaris Min looks after Northern Ireland and uh, I have a great relationship with Yaris. Uh, we've, we always have a good laugh about it because um, we're trying to figure out the, the, the trans- when, when it comes to deciding winners. It's, it's actually really interesting, you know. So, um, But we're delighted. Uh, like for the first year, we have um, a judge saying the Cavan Monaghan area. 
Um, we have yourself, of course, back again as a judge in the Limerick, North Kerry and Clare area and uh, wherever else you travel to. And um, we have a judge in South Kerry as well for the first time, um, Derek McMahon. And uh, so I'm, I'm just thrilled, you know, it's, it's going from strength to strength. Um, it is for charity. It, um, last year, so it was set up by Ali Axer um, for the... Um, the, a, chil- a children's trust and a children's heartbeat trust, and um, we're going to. It'll it'll always remain for charity, and it will always remain for children's charity. So that kind of excites our judges around the country as well. That actually they're doing something that actually makes, you know, actually helps something. You know, so um, it's uh, it is exciting. We're getting exciting. We're ready to getting ready to judge at the moment. I'm going through the waivers that are coming in from various restaurants around the country. So well, what I'm doing now is trying to encourage more and more restaurants to participate. Okay. Well, first of all, now you're saying about it's for charity, and there is no fee to actually enter. So how do you raise the money for the charity? Yeah, so what we do, so restaurants, if they want to apply, they can just reply to um, to, to me or to, to irishcurryawards at gmail.com. Um, they, they will be sent back an application form. There's no fee whatsoever. They they will have to send out a waiver form to the judges. But how we raise the, fee, the funds is from the awards ceremony. So obviously then we'll encourage restaurants and and, every, and the general public and anyone who wants to, to go to the Curry Awards um, venue for this year yet to be decided. It was in the Ramada Plaza in Belfast last year, but from the, the, the funds from there and the sponsorship um, will 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 um, support the charity, and um, that's that's basically how it's how it's done. Like a lot of rewards would be done like that, except that most of them wouldn't be. Um, most of them wouldn't be charitable. Um, so uh, yeah, so it, but like last year at the award ceremony, there was about four hundred and fifty people there, and. Um, uh, in Belfast, and uh, so you know, they, they all bought tickets for it, and and all of the all of the funds from it, and because there was that, the added support of uh, um, sponsors like Cobra Beer and others, um, it was it was just terrific. So and it worked really well. So to have done it in six weeks last year, <laughs> to have the whole summer to organise it this year, I was saying to myself, we better do it better, you know. So and and funny enough, it was a terrific event last year. Um, it was filmed for uh, Bangladesh TV. Um, they, they they filmed the whole thing and showed it on Bangladesh TV. Uh, I did an interview with them. They went out on the news in Bangladesh. So it's it's quite interesting um, from that point of view. Um, so. So, uh, yeah, so no word, we're delighted and, and, and thrilled the way it's going forward. Plus, we have the added uh, bonus this year of what has happened is um, Thai restaurants have applied and Malaysian restaurants have applied and, and some re- and really good ones. So we're setting up a separate category. Um, where we, where again, we haven't finalised everything. It'll probably be called the East Asian Food Awards or Southeast Asian Food section of it, you know, to, to, just to, to separate it. But that, that whatever wins in that category will go forward to the final award, along with all of the Indian, Bangladeshi, Pakistani restaurants that are serving fabulous curries up and down the country. And but the standard has improved enormously, as you know, and it, it doesn't just have to be curry houses or um, Malaysian type restaurants. Like there are some very good Irish restaurants that do fantastic curry. Uh, uh- 
absolutely anyone can apply you can just just send us and i said there's no cost to apply um so apply to us and uh, yeah, and and your application will be accepted 100% everybody's application will be accepted once once you have some variation on a on a curry or whatever on your menu um we've had interest from japanese restaurants now as well and of course some of those just do sushi and some of them do katsu curries but you know we're looking at the, extending it again so this is like this is only the second year as i said we'd, we'd only six weeks last year to get it organized and it worked out terrific we'd um at the award ceremony there was a troupe of bollywood dancers and to entertain us in the interval and so it, it, it was actually it was really super it was a great experience and i'm delighted to be the head judge again this year i'm delighted to have extended our judges around the country um i mean like Jess Murphy from Kai and Galway, you know Jess. Um, yeah. She she she's the, the the judge for the Galway region, and she's very excited about it because she loves curries. <laughs> so um, the format then is that they send an email or they contact you via Twitter or whatever. Then yeah. you send them out the details. They send you the the voucher, so to speak, for the judge to go. That, the judge goes, it. tastes the curry, and then reports back to you. That's it, absolutely, and and the, the judge reports back, and I go through it with them. Now, in the case where, say, for example, it's very close, and you know, two different judges come back with um, two restaurants that are, you know, could be potential winners. Um, I can revisit them with the judge, you know, and and so just to be fair. Um, Last year's winner was Cinnamon Garden in Ashburn, so it was interesting that it wasn't a Dublin restaurant that won, it was outside Dublin, County Meath, yes, so um, I, I just think that that'll hopefully encourage restaurants outside D- Dublin to think, actually, they're not, not all the awards go to Dublin as they do in some award ceremonies, so uh, hopefully... Um, Hopefully we'll get some um, in every part of the country. You know, um, I'm ex- I'm really excited about it this year, and and part of that excitement too is that it is raising money for a really good charity. The restaurants, and as you know, the level has just gone up so so high. It's nearly it was nearly difficult last year to to, to go through and compare them. Um, and but I literally, I, I spend most of the time talking on the phones to judges after to say you know is it a contender to win in this category or that category you know um so uh but that's part of the fun and it's great and then everybody knows that unit for a really good cause so um tell me can you remember how much you raised last year i can't remember off the top of my head but it was substantial because the tickets there was 450 at the um at the award ceremony and the tickets were like something like a hundred pounds sterling each so you can kind of nearly do the maths on that but there was also like as i said we had sponsors there with cobra beer sponsoring so the cost of the actual event was covered mainly by the sponsors so but basically all of the funds from um from the actual uh, awards itself, I went to the Children's Heartbeat Trust in... Uh, you probably know that, actually, don't you, in Belfast? Do I do, know? yeah. And I I would know Joris Min well from a previous yeah. life, from living up in Northern Ireland. Because, and yeah, that's uh, just just triggered with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'd so, be a big yeah. PR guru in Northern Ireland, and he is the restaurant critic that writes for the Belfast Telegraph. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and and we have we we, we have uh, others down here, some of whom will will remain slightly anonymous, but for the moment, for obvious reasons, but um, especially around Dublin. But uh, 
we have I, I'm, I'm just absolutely thrilled with the group of judges we have this year I'm absolutely thrilled I think I, I, we, we, whereas last year I was like trying to grab people together and obviously you I thought immediately of in, in, in your region and other people but th- there were so many little regions that I missed out on and pe- the really funny the thing is, is in some of the regions now the judges come say for example Kevin Monan judges come back and say oh there's two great ones here and there's a good one here and there's a nice one here in Kevin or Monaghan and I'm like that's great that's good because adds to the, the the list, you know. So um, and in and in Kerry to Killarney, like you know, um, Derek has found a couple in Killarney. So uh, it's um, no, it's it's really it's very exciting. Bibi Baskin is is, is a white judge in 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 Cork, along with um, Anita Toma, the chef, um, and. Uh, Oh, like the list goes on. But anyway, there's, I have 17 judges, so and I'm thrilled. It just means it's, it's also less work for me, except when all the results come in. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to be involved. Thanks so much for asking me. It's, it's a great team of judges, so thank you. A fantastic way to raise money for charity and for a children's charity that's always very much in need of funds being raised for it. So well done on a great initiative to you and to yours. And um, I look forward to eating lots of curry this summer and early autumn and to go into the awards in October in, in Belfast and to see it televised on Indian TV again. Absolutely. It's, it's very exciting, Sharon. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. I just want to get the ball rolling now and get as many restaurants as possible in to apply. So they can even apply via you and you can pass it on to me or whatever way they want to do it. I don't mind as long as we get lots of applications and it'd be great. So thank you very much for having me on the show today. Not at all. And thanks so much for telling us all about it, Paul. Thank you, Sharon. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Lovely to talk to Paul O'Connor about the Irish Curry Awards and I've just been given a message to say that the amount raised last year for Children's Heartbeat Trust was €25,000. What an incredible sum of money. Now, before we go tonight, this weekend, it's the long bank holiday weekend. So if you're looking for some food fun activities, if you check out discoverireland.ie forward slash food, you'll find lots of different events there. And one in particular that I wanted to highlight, the Irish Street Food Awards on Saturday, the 5th of August at Beachyard. That's in Dunleary. We were talking to Ali Dunworth a few weeks about that. So I wanted to give it a shout out. And that brings us to the end of tonight's Best Possible Taste. Thanks so much for listening this evening and to my guests for talking to me Nicole Dunphy, Kate Ryan and Paul O'Connor as I've said before if you've missed any of tonight's show and you want to listen to it or previous shows of the best possible taste you can check them out on SharonNoonan.com and next week I'll be talking to Rory Carrick about a foraging retreat complete with wallabies on Lambay Island and public health and clinical nutritionist Neve Arthurs will have advice on improving our eating habits so until then have a great week Enjoy the long weekend and bon appetit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appetit. <laughs> <laughs>